0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we've got a very special surprise for you all today as our own Nate Marquise catches up with Devontez Walker, our CFF darling and wide receiver out of UNC, in order to ask him a ton of questions about the upcoming season for the UNC Tar Heels. In addition, even more spring games and scrimmages are occurring and we bring on Jeremy Miller from the CFF Lists account on Twitter to help us break down what you need to take away from all of those. All this and more coming right after this. David Harrison Jr. touchdown! Marvelous! Marvel! Ball
1: next to the end zone. Drop down
0: for Franklin! on majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the and Natty podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Y'all, we got a really, really cool show planned ahead for you all. We have our first and hopefully the first of many player interviews that we'll be conducting this offseason Nate Marquise while he is not here today has been working very diligently behind the scenes in order to set up an awesome interview with Devontae Walker we'll get into that here in just a second but with Nate out of the picture here today we brought on another guest for our guest month here at CTN and today I'm bringing on Mr. Jeremy Miller from the CFF list account on Twitter Jeremy how are you doing today sir
1: I'm doing great, uh you know, I know people won't see this on Easter, but happy Easter to you. Uh, I'm glad we could find time to still work college football into the mix on on Easter uh, yes sir but yeah i'm ex- I'm excited about it I haven't had a, uh, a good long talk with anyone about uh, CFF in uh, probably a month, so it's always good to be back.
0: yeah, you guys have been working hard over there on your account. I know you guys have been doing a lot of the uh, um, spring camp positional battle breakdowns right, and everything right. like that. those have been pretty awesome. Um, what kind of other stuff are you guys working on right now?
1: Uh, I mean, we're, we've are we got about a week. We've got four conferences left. We find it's a little bit easier in, in the large CFF landscape when you start breaking down players to really do it initially by conference. Yes, sir. Um, so we always go through every spring kind of breaking down, uh, you know, the position battles, you know, by conference. And then, you know, once we get into the fall, we start mixing those rankings, um, you know, for the overall list. Uh, once we get through this in about a week, We'll really dive deep into Nate's expertise, which are the coaching changes. Um, That's really when you guys probably saw us debut on Twitter last year was when we uh, had just kind of gotten around to the effect of the coaching changes on a team's passing or rushing offense and, and how we saw that shaking out because, you know, like I've told you before, we're as big of a believer in like systems really uh, you know playing the biggest role in in CFF. Yes, sir. Uh, so you know to really keep up with all the coaching changes and and how that's going to affect the passing o or the rushing o uh, is critical. so we'll we'll dive right into that once we get through these position battles uh, in about two weeks,
0: yeah, sir y'all go check out all of their stuff over there at CFF list on Twitter, and um, honestly, that was a great way to kind of plug in Nate's final Coaching Change article (laughs) from this past week. He has finally released the SEC Coaching Change. All 10 conferences are now available over on campusacanton.com. and if you think I'm going to go into my spiel right now, you got another thing coming. We're going to wait until a little bit later on that. So with that being said, first, we're going to start off today by having y'all... Listen to the wonderful interview that Nate Marquis put together with Devontez Walker. So Nate's been working very hard on that. Please go ahead and enjoy that interview now.
2: Welcome to a special edition of Chasing the Natty, where we have a very important guest with us today. We have first team all-MAC conference turned North Carolina Tar Heel wide receiver Devontez Walker with us today. Tez, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, joining us here on Chasing the Natty. How are you today, man?
3: I'm good. No problem. I appreciate you having me. Um, I'm doing good.
2: Yeah, very, uh, very excited to talk with you. Um, I know you're probably right in the heart of spring practices. I I believe your spring game is even coming up here April 15th, about a week after Easter. Um, But that's kind of where I want to start. I want to start with how spring practices have gone for you so far. And uh, just kind of how you feel like you're performing uh, as you kind of enter the fold there, in North Carolina.
3: Uh, spring practice has been going uh, smooth so far. Um, I've been able to uh, work with Drake a lot, get our chemistry down. I talked to him before and after practice, so uh, he sees pretty, pretty good with me. Like me and him got a good connection right now, so
2: everything's been going good. Yeah, I gotta ask, man, what? <laughs> You mentioned Drake May. What is it like uh, catching balls from a caliber uh, QB, the caliber of Drake May? We're talking about, you know, one of the premier QBs in the country, Heisman Trophy candidate, maybe first round draft pick. What's that like?
3: Yeah, it's um, it's, it's a it's a blessing. Um, you don't you don't get too many too many players like him. I mean, first and foremost, he's he's a good dude. One, you don't get too many guys like him. Uh, fun to be around. Um, he lets you know what he like. He uh he listens to you on what you what you want. How he, he wants the uh, ball to be thrown. That so, um he, is is it's a it's a blessing.
2: Yeah, I I can only imagine. Um, I so I kind of want to ask because, as you've transitioned from Kent State here mm-hmm. to North Carolina, now I know you guys there at Kent State played, you know, a murderer's row of a non conference. I think you had Washington, Oklahoma, even Georgia in your non conference. So. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that you haven't played elite competition because you definitely have. Um, but I'm curious as you transitioned from Kent state there in the Mac to a power five, you know, conference program there with the ACC, have you noticed any challenges with that transition, any step up in competition that's slowed you down at all as you, uh, face other players there in practice?
3: Um, I can definitely see the difference. Um, but I don't, I don't think any of it has slowed me down. Um, yeah, I mean, company practices, probably games as well. It'll probably be more way more competitive. Probably a little, a little faster. Players a little bigger. But I mean, I don't think that really phased me. It hasn't phased me yet. So,
2: yeah, are you still uh, you, are you still beating guys on deep deep balls there as you've uh, been in spring ball?
3: Uh yes or something like that. Um, but they also some some good competitors as well. Like they've they they've got a couple numbers on. They got me on a couple uh, reps. But okay, I've also been doing my thing still. So, Abs-
2: absolutely. So, um, with you kind of transitioning from Kent State, and obviously you know Sean Lewis was the was your coach there at Kent State, and who's now I, uh, actually the OC over there at Colorado for Deion Sanders chip lindsey's your guy now he's the offensive coordinator he's the play caller there tell me kind of what some of the differences are that you've noticed uh between those two offensive schemes what are some things that stand out to you
3: um it, honestly it it's not really a big difference that's another reason why i, I kind of chose carolina similar offense uh, he's bringing a similar offense he had from uh ucf that uh coach lewis ran he was that Kent. so a lot of okay. stuff is pretty much the same. So I've been adjusting well to like the playbook and stuff like that. So it ain't too do, much of a difference.
2: Do you think that it, it fits your uh your abilities as a wide receiver as far as somebody I know you tend to use uh you tend to use speed and um you know getting by defenders and, and use that speed to your advantage? You think that's something that sets up well for you there at North Carolina? Um I I definitely do.
3: And they I mean they they they're they're on my neck about it as well. So I mean, the way the offense is, we have a lot of options, and it's kind of possible for, possible for the, the finish to guard us with those options. So
2: Now, I believe just from what I saw with you there, Kent, you were playing primarily on the boundary. Is that still where you're at there in North Carolina? Are you still playing kind of those X and Z spots?
3: Uh, yes, sir. And then they, they move them around a little bit, but mainly the X
2: and Z. Okay. Very good. So talk to me about – I know – within the next year or so, you're going to be sitting down in front of NFL GMs and they're, you know, you're going to be doing interviews with them and they're probably going to be asking you things. Okay. Like what type of receiver am I getting? If I draft Tez Walker to my franchise. So if I were to sit down and watch tape on you, what type of player am I going to be looking at? What are some things that you really tend to excel at that allows you to be successful there?
3: Um, Obviously, the speed, but I feel like getting in and out of breaks, I feel like that's an underrated trade of mine on the field. Like, I mean, I think that's real big when it comes to separation. Like I do real, when I'm watching the tape of myself, I feel like I do real well getting in and out of breaks, like speed cutting in and out of breaks, like out routes, in routes, and things like that.
2: Okay. And you mentioned that you're with you playing primarily down the boundary. Um, do you? how do you feel like you do as far as like a 50-50 uh, type ball? If, you, if you're if you put in those situations, is that something that you feel like is a strong suit or do you feel like you're more catch ball and beat man than the open field type deal?
3: Um, both, honestly. I feel like high point of ball going up for feet, 50-50 ball, that's my strongest trait. I didn't really show it at Kent because I didn't really have to. I outran everyone. But um, <laughs> here they're me – they're giving me that chance on the 50-50 balls and the goal line. So you'll probably see more of that this year.
2: Gotcha. Okay. I, I like the idea of, uh, of seeing a little bit more from Tez as we get inside the red zone there. Um, as as far as for you last year, I, I do take pride in the fact that I, I do feel like as far as the college football world is concerned, I was one of the guys that was first in on you Um Last summer, as far as discussing you in some articles I wrote for Campus to Canton, talking about you here on Chasing the Natty with our podcast, I actually stumbled across uh, the Kent State uh, Twitter page, was posting all of the summer workouts and kind of the res- the athletic results that they were having as far as like miles per hour from players in practice, triple jump, broad jump, those types of things. And when I saw that, I kept seeing the same name at the top of all of those athletic results with some freakishly uh, impressive scores. And that name was Devontae Walker. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Uh, You'd been relatively unknown as far as time on the field. Talk to us about. I know my listeners would love to hear. What are some of your um, athletic measurables? If if we see you in the combine here in the next year or two, or during your pro day, what are we looking at as far as like forty time, vert, for those types of things? What kind of athlete are we looking at here?
3: Um, forty, I say about high four, four high four three, low four four vertical. Wow. About okay, forty plus forty one, forty two. Um, I ain't really did like the um. The shuttle and like three cone and all that. I've never really done that before, so I can't give you a real number. I just really did the bird in like 40. I, th-
2: I think I saw actually somebody post the other day that on your uh the ball that you caught against Georgia, that I think you took it to the house, uh, kind of an underneath pass. You took down the sideline, and it was showing that you hit like close to 23 miles per hour. Is that correct?
3: Uh yes, sir. <laughs>
2: And you're you're what six, 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 ish? Is it you're in that ballpark park as far as size? Mm-hmm. That is Near folks, we're talking about six three, one ninety-five, uh hitting twenty-three miles per hour, four, you know, high four three, 40, uh, forty plus inch vertical jump. I mean, those are numbers that are gonna really stand out uh to scouts if if when you uh end up there at the at the combine. That's really impressive, man. My listeners, my listeners would crush me if if I didn't ask. I know you haven't been there long at Carolina, but who are some of the young guys? And it doesn't have to be specific to the wide receiver room, although it could be. Who are some of the young guys there, wide receiver or running back or even quarterback that you you've you've been on campus long enough to be like, damn, that that guy can really go. And I think that there's a really strong future for him at Carolina. Who are a couple names that have stood out to you there in spring ball?
3: Um, yeah, uh, I start with the receiver room. I say um, Gavin Blackwell. You'll probably see him a lot this season. He's okay. um, he's going into his say real redshirt sure sophomore year. He's a real good player. And then Andre Green. I don't know if you watched that Oregon and North Carolina game bowl game, but he, he scored the first touchdown in that game. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna be a real a real good player. And I'm trying to uh, get him bring him along with me. What he's gonna be, but I, me personally, I feel like he's gonna be the best in that room at some point.
2: He's somebody that I know that a lot of us here at Campus DeCanton uh, were super stoked about whenever he arrived there at Carolina. We're hoping for a breakout from him throughout the season mm-hmm. last year. Didn't get it, but we got a glimpse of it in the bowl game. And, and, man, I tell you, it was it was impressive. So it's good to hear that he's somebody uh, that's definitely uh, got a chance to pop there. How have the young QBs looked?
3: Um, QBs, they look good. Uh, aside from Drake, you got a kind of hero. He's having a solid spring. He's probably going to be the one next up. Um, okay. One of our freshmen, me and him from the same city, so I already knew he was. Uh, Tad Hudson. He's, he's having a good okay, day yeah. As
2: well. Yeah, that's so, the that's um, the new guy that just came in this year.
3: Yeah. So our quarterback room is looking it's looking pretty good.
2: So the cupboard's not going to be totally bare when uh, when Drake starts doing his thing on Sundays. Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, man. Last question I got for you. Similar, similar to that last one. I know that um, obviously with you and Dante Cephas moving on, Dante went over to uh, Penn State, I believe. And obviously you're there at Carolina. Um, Talk to me about maybe somebody there uh, that's that's still there at the Kent State wide receiver room that you're like, that's my boy. That's a guy that I think's got a chance to pop this year. Who's the guy that stood out to Uh... you during your time over there? Let's
3: see, us see. You got Trell Harris. Uh, he yeah. played a couple games toward the end. Uh, he stood out. He also stood out to the coaches. They really liked him, so he should be a good guy to watch this year. Also, Naren, Naren Button, Naren Button can okay. be real good. He like one on ones. I got outside of Stevens. I got pretty close to. Uh, when I go up, I go up there sometimes as well. And I also when I was some of them guys. Um, yeah, yes, sir.
2: Right so, on, man. Right on. Well, it sounds like things are, are, are going well for you there. It sounds like you're settling in well. The practice reports have been pretty glowing on you uh, from what I've read there around Carolina. So um, I'll just say keep it up, man. I, uh, I Tez, I appreciate you coming on and, and chopping it up with me today. I cannot wait to see you catching some deep balls. And it sounds like maybe even some red zone targets from, uh, from Drake this year in the Carolina Blue. So thanks so much for joining us. Good luck to you in, in the spring game and uh, and your upcoming season here.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me.
2: Right on, man.
0: Thank you so much to Nate Marquise and a special, special thank you to Mr. Devontae Walker for taking the time to conduct that interview and to ask all of those wonderful and great questions. I think we learned a lot about what we can expect for the Tar Heels moving forward there. So definitely, if y'all want to see more of that kind of stuff, the best thing you could do is one, Go ahead and let us know right down there in the comment section. Let us know on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. You can tell Nate you want to see more at CFF Nate. And then if you want to continue to support us and financially, you can always go over to campus where we have all of our written content tools and everything you need for your CFF, C2C, and Devi fantasy needs. Got a tons and tons of great stuff coming your way. As you can see now, we are now trying to do some more player interviews. So, If you want to support us with that kind of stuff, make sure you go over there and subscribe. In terms of over here, if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure you are Uh, liking, commenting, and subscribing, doing all those wonderful things that every YouTuber asks you to do. We do have a goal of hitting 1,000 subscribers by the start of the season. We're Slowly but surely making our way there. So again, if you haven't already, go ahead and do that. And if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you're following us wherever you're listening. If you can leave those five-star reviews, would really appreciate if you just went ahead and did that. Again, shout out to the rest of our cff team. We got a ton of great guys over here. Myself, Nate marquis of course, Brandon Sanders, who should be coming back with some future freshmen maybe soon. We'll see. We'll see. Chris Moxley, as always, he is he is the dude.com. We got Chris K and Ethan Sowers getting ready for all that DFS content and we we have our newest member of our CFF team over here, Mr. Justin, the volume pig himself. You've seen a lot of his great articles out there. He will be joining us and doing some written content for us now. So again, make sure you go over to campuscantons.com and to subscribe to all of that. That being said, Jeremy, let's say we actually get into some of this spring news and let's start start diving right into it.
1: Yeah, there's lots of it. So I'll I'll just have one disclaimer, which is I've promised to keep my comments brief so we can try to get through everything in a uh, reasonable amount of time. So I would also uh, highly suggest anybody who has more in-depth questions, if you feel like we don't go into enough depth since we have 16 teams to cover, you leave them in the comment section, uh, as Jared mentioned earlier.
0: Yes, sir. And you can always find Jeremy at OG underscore J Mill on Twitter. You can find their account again at lists. And you can always find his co-owner of CFF list at Willie B, Willie B Z right at on Twitter. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I couldn't. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I should have written that down Z. before I got started. It's all right. that's all right. Um, but they're always willing to answer questions over there. So reach out to them as well. Got a really fun lineup here today of teams to talk about, because as we were putting this together, I realized this might be the most G5 talk. We've had on this show in probably a really long time. Like we have some power five teams. We're definitely going to cover today with some of the spring games and everything like that. But as I was writing it down, I'm like, wow, it's another G five program. We're getting some really good news out of some of these G five programs. So we'll get right to it. And let's get to the first bit here that we will talk about. And this is less a spring camp update per se, because we're not really getting news out of UTEP per se, but it is reported that Tyron Smith, the wonderful wide receiver, from UTEP, who initially transferred to to Texas A&M, is now on his way back. It is expected that he will be, after he completes his classes for the spring, he will be heading back to UTEP. This is a huge relief to the entire CFF world because if Tyron Smith went to Texas A&M, he was going to be buried on that depth chart. They had their three starting wide receivers already in Evan Stewart, Anaya Smith, Moose Muhammad. Those were going to be the guys Tyron Smith would have been at best a fourth option who had been playing in certain situations, but definitely not a guy who is out there 100% of the time. Now he can go back to UTEP and pretty much just be that number one wide receiver that we love him to be over there. He was wide receiver 46 last year, and that was with a little bit of health uh, holding him back throughout some of the season. I think he goes back there, and he his value is about to shoot right back up in CFF drafts with this news. So shout out to guys like Josh Chevy who have been drafting him in like the very end of drafts just in case he goes back to UTEP. So Jeremy, your thoughts on Tyron Smith going back to UTEP?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's uh, it's great for CFF, like you said, um, one of the things I think we've all noticed in the early best balls is the lack of uh, purely reliable wide receivers that have a track record. Uh, so this this throws another guy with a great track record back in the mix. I know we, we have slightly different ways of calculating our rankings. You like to use the total points. We like to go with points per game and we have him even as high as uh, wide receiver, 30 on a points per game level versus, you know, you have him in the forties. We think now, you know, th- there's, there's really no way he doesn't finish in the top 25 and potentially you could, you could rank him among your, your top 20 wide receivers uh, based on the limited number of, of proven targets that you have out there. So expect him to rise drastically. They've lost their wide receiver two, I believe from last year, but yes, the good sir. news is he's got the, he's got the same quarterback back from last year really showed at times you know he, he's a quarterback that can have some huge games uh so i think you're looking at a a really strong candidate for a top 20 wide right receiver in cff
0: you know i haven't even considered where am might put him in my rankings but like let's go ahead and do a little bit of that exercise right here yeah, right yeah. now um let's see yeah good lord with the amount of guys that like you're not really truly in love with because like again right you have like your top i'd say you're the top eight I think for most people are just yeah. completely set and yeah, then I, I definitely think seven or eight I think Tyron is definitely in that next tier so yeah I'm probably looking at putting him in like easily my top 20 because I put him over Justin Lockhart who I have as wide receiver 19 I love Lockhart to be fair so maybe that's a little high yeah. for a lot of people right. but like Tet McMillan I have him over him Luther Burden as much as I love him for this next year he's going to be over Luther Burden Squirrel White, I mean, again, I like the potential of score White, but I think I'm going to put Tyron over him just because he's a proven yeah, guy. Yeah. So right. that, boom, we're already in my top 12. That's crazy how quickly that's going to fly up. If he indeed does transfer back, let's make sure that actually happens first. Right, but,
1: right, right. Yeah, we do have a little bit of an asterisk, but if he goes back to UTEP, you know, you're, you're going to you're going to want to put him in that second tier for sure.
0: Yes, sir. All righty, let's go ahead and move on to our next team here. This is a true spring camp update, but more of a sp- scrimmage update. And again, we don't typically get typically get a lot of news out of these G5 scrimmages, but we got quite a few to talk about here today. Let's go to Utah State first. This is a Blake Anderson offense. We love Blake Anderson wide receivers. Uh, again, thinking guys like Omar Bayless. You're thinking guys like Jonathan Adams Jr., um, Corey Rucker for a time, uh, Devin... Th- Devin Tom- yeah, Devin Tompkins, uh his first year at yeah, Utah Tom, State. Yeah. Like, we love these guys. Last year, we didn't quite get that. There were some things kind of going on with that offense that weren't just quite clicking. It, it didn't help that Logan Bonner, they were trying to basically walk out his corpse out there on puppet strings, pretending that he was still healthy, and that clearly was not the case. Right. So, Cooper Legog gets thrown out there without enough reps, and he gets better as the year goes on. You finally start seeing Brian Cobbs kind of emerge down the year, as I thought he would last year. But he's gone. Uh, Justin McGriff is gone. So now you're looking for who's kind of stepping up at wide receiver here. And really the first thing that stood out to me is my guy Terrell Vaughn. I like Terrell Vaughn a ton going into this year. I have him as my wide receiver 24 currently. He led the receptions in this scrimmage with seven. And he did get a touchdown along with it. The problem is he has seven receptions but only 38 yards. So not a very efficient product um day for him so hopefully that doesn't continue but in terms of ppr
1: guy we'll make him a ppr guy yeah we'll
0: call him a ppr guy but otto (laughs) tia is a name that caught my eye here because he was the he was one of the top three receivers in the scrimmage he has six receptions for 64 yards and the other two guys that had 60 plus yards both had 60 plus yard plays so Otto Tia was right, probably right, right. the most consistent and proficient out of these guys. I don't know if he is up there on the starting um, starting lineup for wide receivers, but I definitely think it's a name to keep out an eye out for there. Jeremy, do you have any thoughts on this Utah State wide receiver room and who are you investing in here?
1: Yeah, this is really the um, the one we're going to talk about today that I have the least to say about. But, um, I mean, you, you do have – uh, an opening with, with Cobbs leaving. And, and I think you're right in targeting Terrell Vaughn. I mean, he's um, during the regular season last year, 53 catches, five touchdowns. You know, I think he's the kind of guy that can, can definitely step up. They also had a very down year. They finished 94th in passing. I don't think that's going to happen again. Like you said, they dragged out a really banged up quarterback when they shouldn't have, um, you know, so Vaughn's the kind of guy that I think could definitely be a, a 70 catch, you know, a thousand yard guy, maybe won't get you 10 touchdowns but you know he he should you know improve on the 5 that he had last year so i think he's he's definitely a reliable guy and and he's probably the only one that i would be looking at as uh, somebody who's safe to pick for Utah state
0: yes sir and then in addition to the wide receivers the running back position is actually something i'm a little bit interested in here because Calvin Tyler really had a very under the radar Uh, well productive year last year for Utah State again they couldn't get the passing game going that well so they relied on their super senior running back there he's gone so who steps up in his place I have been very vocal in the fact that I like Robert Briggs uh, because he was the number two running back for them last year as a true freshman however he was held out of this scrimmage and then now you have Jordan Wilmore formerly of Utah and Fresno State who was the lead scorer in this game he had 10 touches 62 yards and 3 touchdowns to go along with it But then Cooper Jones, who really was not somebody I had on my radar whatsoever, he suddenly just exploded during this scrimmage. 10 touches, 114 yards, and two touchdowns to go along with him. It's going to be interesting to see how Utah State breaks down that running back in this year. Especially, again, if that passing game for some reason still doesn't get going again, they're going to have to rely on these running backs again. So we will definitely see.
1: Yeah, and it's a little bit too crowded for now. I mean, it's one of those that hasn't shaken out. I think you've definitely got to wait until fall. That's going to be a you know an August um, decision, you know, in, in terms of who you're going to select. We had Briggs up there as well, but all of a sudden now, you know, these other two guys get multiple touchdowns in, in a scrimmage. So you know, this is definitely in the wait and see category, which a lot of the battles during spring fall into. Yep. Uh, there's just no way of all of these battles getting settled this early.
0: All righty, let's move on to our. Let's move on to our next spring camp here to talk about. We talked about this last week, but there were some errors I made last week in terms of talking about where some of these guys are playing. So, we're going to talk about the Wisconsin wide receiver room again. And quite frankly, it has really generated a lot of discussion around the CFF world this past week, where we all realized that, again, this is the Phil Longo offense, that they're able to get this going in year one. All of these wide receivers are going super late in your drafts, and therefore, how do we pick out which one possibly could really just explode compared to where their value is right now? Because again, a lot, Wisconsin has a lot of things going for them right now. In addition to Phil Longo, you have Tanner Mordecai, who is a well-seasoned, um, well-seasoned quarterback who has been productive at SMU the last couple of years. He's not a, he is not shy towards an offense that is not, that's not afraid to throw the ball deep. So really, who are we looking at benefiting here? Based on recent practice reports, it looks like the top three guys continue to be um, two guys who were here at Wisconsin before. You got um, Shimre DK and Keontes Walker, who were, um, DK was in the slot last year. It looks like he's now moving to the outside. And then Keontes Walker, again, another outside guy. And not Skyler Bell, but Will Pauling, the Cincinnati transfer, is starting in the slot. The last couple of years, it really has been the slot. I believe it's five out of the last six years. Shout out to Mike Bainbridge for putting that set together. It has been the slot receiver in the Phil Longo offense that has been the most productive. The problem is, while Will Pauling, you know, is a good receiver, Ray DK and Keontes Walker have been getting by far the most buzz for their just ability to separate and the ability to just kind of take over a game in spring so far. So really the question becomes down to what are you willing to target? Are you willing to target the system, go for the slot guy, which is Pauling who hasn't been getting as much praise, or do you go for guys like DK and Lewis who've been getting so much more praise and look like they could separate in this system. So Jeremy, do you have any thoughts here?
1: Yeah, my initial thought, um I know Longo is the offensive coordinator, um, but you know, I, I have to look at a head coach's history as well, and it's it's just ridiculously pitiful how bad wide receivers have been in terms of CFF production under Luke Fickle. Um, you know, you rarely, well, actually you never had a receiver get to a thousand yards at Cincinnati. Um, you know, he had a tight end lead the team with 29 catches like three or four years ago uh, at Cincinnati. So you hope that Longo will be given the full reins to, to take control I have a feeling, you know, Fickle, you know, will will have some influence. And really with Braylon Allen, you know, that's going to be the strength of this team regardless. I I don't know if this is a year you even want to touch a a Wisconsin wide receiver, um, you know, while Longo gets initiated into this this system or gets his system initiated into this group. But DK would be the one that I'd focus on. And he's probably a good choice in a supplemental league. That's where I would kind of, you know, place a guy like him. Instead of taking – you know, a random freshman or two, you know, DK is the kind of receiver that could pop off in in a supplemental league as a a pick where, you know, you get him in the fifth or sixth round of your supplemental league. I'm Mm -hmm. looking, he was 13% owned at the end of last year. So he's a guy you could take a flyer pick on, but I wouldn't do much more than that again, until, unless something really, uh, you know, more, more concrete emerges in the fall.
0: Yeah. Again, that's the kind of my whole point at the start of this was that all of these guys are going, like, round 20-plus. Like, maybe every once in yeah. a while you see somebody reach up for them in, like, the late teens. But even so, like, right. you're not investing a ton here. But, again, the upside in terms of you do get it right and they do get that offense going this year, that is a definitely a ton of fun that you could have with it right there. And then, in addition, yeah. you talked about how the last couple of years at Cincinnati— you're right. No wide receiver has hit a thousand yards. But I will point out there has been wide receivers that just separate themselves. So like in twenty twenty one you had Alec Pierce, who had twenty more receptions than the next closest guy. Tyler Scott the very next year. Um he what? had um he had well actually no, he and Tucker actually were very close, but Scott was very much um better in terms of the average um yards per catch there so he had almost 200 he had over 200 yards more and six more right. touchdowns than tucker did but even still like i think you if you have that propensity to have a clear number one wide receiver and you have a guy like phil longo who has proven he can call plays really well and also feed a guy right there i still think one of these guys is going to pop and i think it is again round 20 plus honestly Take a couple rounds and just pick two guys out of the Wisconsin wide receiver that you like. And just one of them is going to probably be it.
1: Yeah, you, and in the best ball situation too. If you're in yep. a thirty-five round best ball, you can take one in twenty-five and another in thirty, and handcuff a couple of them, and just hope your 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 roll of the dice works out in your benefit. And then obviously in July and August, we're going to hear a lot more about who really is, is standing out, and have a bet you know your your later drafts. You're going to get a lot more insight as to who you should really be taking. But for now, yeah, it's worth handcuffing a couple and seeing what happens. Or like I said, if you have an early supplemental draft, you know DK, you know is a guy worth taking a shot on late in the supplemental draft.
0: Absolutely. Let's move on. Let's go back to the G5. Enough of that P5 nonsense. Let's go talk about Colorado State. Man, what a disappointing year for them last year. Uh, Just couldn't get that offense going whatsoever. You had Torrey Horton, who is like the only bright spot in that entire offense. I love Torrey Horton this year. But he was not the talk of the spring scrimmage this past week. In fact, I believe he was held out. But instead, you are hearing a ton of raving from this staff about this tight end room they have put together specifically dallin holker the byu transfer tight end that's coming over there this is who our newest member justin volume pigs uh newest article is based around on c2c he calls him has jay norvell found their next cole turner Quite possibly, there's been a lot of raving around Holker the past couple of days here or a couple of weeks here at with the Rams. Jeremy, what do you think here? Are you buying into the Holker hype? Because currently, I'm definitely buying because yeah. he's a yeah, guy yeah. that's going 25 plus rounds in dress. Yeah, yeah, and he was.
1: He, yeah, he was very productive also in his, his the three games he played last year. I believe he got injured. Uh, he only had, had a, a three games, but um, you know he did. You know, manage eight points a game. Uh, in the three games you saw him play, Norvell's got a great history, you know, with big tight ends, This kid's 6'5", 240. Um, yeah, I, I think also I've heard other people say it. I, I can't imagine um, a Norvell offense struggling two years in a row like it did this year. We were all a little bit maybe too excited about what he could do in year last one. year. Yeah, in year one. Um, but, you know, he has a, a very proven track record in terms of what he's going to do when he gets into an offense. Um you know, and on that note as well, you know, I, I know uh, we're also going you know, to dive into the running backs here. And, and I would say this is kind of the opposite of my comment on on Fickle with Cincinnati. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting thinner at, at running back, I'm jumping a little bit ahead here. But yep. um, I think I think, um, you know, it's a team where you probably only focus on you know, who the top wide receiver and, and certainly in this case, you know, who's going to be uh, what, uh, what we all think now is a very good tight end option with Holker. Um, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, you, you, there's so few guys at the very top of that list. You, you, you don't necessarily throw him in the top two or three, but I think no. he's, he's going to probably end up as a top 10 or 12 or 15 guy easily. Um, you know, this year. Yeah. He can definitely,
0: he can definitely like looking at the ADP right now, like, yeah, you're not going to put him in the same realm as like, uh, your Bowers, Keithy, even Sanders, but like right, I think, right. I think enough people will convince him, themselves to put him in the same tier as a guy like Luke Lachey, Mason Taylor, uh, pre scored oh, yeah. at Ole Miss, Nesbitt at UNC, like Brady yeah. Hunt, the two Ball State guys. These are all guys right. that could they could easily, um, I could easily see him being drafted around. But currently, he goes way later than all of those guys. So yeah. I would say he's easily one of your best values in a best ball right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And last year's Colorado State tight end, Darling Arkin, he transferred out. So that's he another uh, a point to make. Arkin is gone, even though he only had 15 catches. He was a freshman. So he would have been the competition likely, you know, in this situation. He's not there anymore. He's but
0: like, I don't mean to
1: uh, between two guys on a team, you know, Holkin could be your guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, again, you kind of touched on this already. The other thing that really kind of came out about the screen, spring practice is just how thin this running back room is. And now, again, you're not typically targeting the running back in a Jay Norvell offense. But like I said, last last year, Tory Horton was kind of that sole bright spot. But Avery Morrow, their running back that they yep. had there, Definitely kind of shined in different spots. And he was somebody that I was willing to take very late in best balls, especially if I was struggling at the running back position a little bit. Problem is, he's now suspended because of an altercation that occurred in January. So he's done. uh, Not done, but like he's got a lot of stuff to work out. Keegan Hollis, the guy who's behind him, he's now banged up. And so they're extremely thin at the position. The name to watch here, in my opinion, if there is possibly somebody to kind of step up here... True freshman, Damian Henderson. He is a three-star running back. He's the number 30 running back in the 247 composite. Had offers from Oregon, Washington, and Arizona, but yet he chose the Rams. It's a classic, classic big fish, small pond situation where, again, Norvell typically does not rely on the running back position. But this is going to be a guy that's not going to be going anywhere close to the top of your freshman drafts. Why not take a shot on him here? Something definitely to kind of keep an eye on here. Again, not retrap, but like more of a dynasty thing. Like I think
3: right. yeah, Henderson could be somebody yeah. could be
0: interesting moving forward. So, you have any yeah. thoughts there, Jeremy?
1: No, I agree. Don, you, you said it at the end. It's it's a great you know freshman pick from a G five school that's you know great for you know just planting seeds within your dynasty roster. That's that's the way to go. It is tough when you got a guy in this day and age when everybody's enrolling early and getting a jump start with spring. Uh, You know, you you can almost guarantee he won't come in and start day one because he's, you know, he's only had a month of practice in August. Um, But, you know, he's going to be working his way into the lineup sooner than later. I agree.
0: All righty, let's go ahead and move on. Let's go to another G5 program. Let's go over to Texas, and let's talk about the mean green over there. This is definitely a quarterback competition that I think some of us have been keeping an eye on. Chandler Rogers coming in over from UL Monroe. I think a lot of us are very excited about the idea of a dual, a true dual threat guy being put into an Eric Morris offense potentially there. But he first has to beat out current incumbent backup Jace Reuter with Austin Ane off to whatever he is doing, whatever thirty-year-olds <laughs> do after they spent a decade in college football. Um, so now you got to you. You have these two going up against each other, and this last week's scrimmage, man, was not not pretty. If you're a Chandler Rogers investor, again, he had nine passes for only 24 yards. Meanwhile, Reuter goes down and scores twice with two of I would say the top wide receiver options for this team in Roderick Burns and Trey Cleveland. Both of them got a, a touchdown each this past weekend. And then I'm not sure if this is a, I think this is a typo in one of the reports I've read, but they said the first team wide receivers were Jamori Macklin, Jordan Stewart, and Dorian Morris. That feels like a second team there, but because again, you got guys like Roderick Burns, Trey Cleveland from Texas Tech, I think is going to be an instant impact for the being green. Definitely a lot to look out for here, especially if Eric Morris is able to be more successful implementing his system in the CUSA, actually no, no, North Texas. No, this is uh American. This is American now. Yes, they they yeah, made, yeah. they made that transition. So yeah.
1: they went for the big TV markets, and you know they had the interesting strategy of maybe not as good of quality teams but they but, took the Charlottes and the North Texas and the Florida Atlantic to try to up their TV market. Yeah.
0: Yes, sir. Um, so maybe he has more success putting it in a defensively challenged conference like the American athletics. So Jeremy, do you have any thoughts going on over here with the mean green?
1: Yeah. The thing that stands out to me is, uh, you, you want the North Texas quarterback next year in one of your teams or several of your teams. So, uh, since we don't know now, if you're taking guys in, in early best balls, this, this is a fun handcuff situation because I think it's definitely going to be, you know, one of the two that you talked about with Rogers or Reuter. But with the history of Eric Morris' offenses, you know, and, and – you know, Outside of last teams. year. Yeah, yeah, outside of last year. Uh, you know, I'm going to do the same thing that I did in a lot of drafts last year, you know, with Texas Tech's quarterback undecided, TCU's quarterback room undecided, you know, uh, you know, to some extent Louisiana Tech, which didn't really pan out you know, you, you want the North Texas quarterback this year, I think. And um, Rogers has proven that, you know, he can be a solid quarterback. Reuter doesn't have as much of the track record, but I think, you know, if Reuter can beat out Rodgers, that shows you how good, you know, his potential is as well. So, yeah, you know, I think this is, this is two guys you handcuff. I don't know so much about what receiver is going to work out for you, but, um, you know, that's one where I wouldn't necessarily start grabbing a bunch of North Texas receivers in the early drafts, but, you know, no. maybe in those drafts that you have in July and August, you can get a little more of a gauge there, but I'd definitely, you know, take these, both of these quarterbacks in, in your early drafts and, and have some fun with it.
0: You know, as much as I just ding like Cameron Ward just now and everything, I'm like, oh, it didn't work out last year. He was QB 38 last year. Now again, which one, Uh Cameron Ward? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He yeah, was QB exactly.
0: 38 last year, so he did hit that right. 25 plus mark three times, and then was right. very he was very consistently like within that 20 to 25 range throughout the year. So that's probably what helped him out there. But even still. Let's go ahead and talk about some of these spring games that have occurred over the last year. Again, we talked about a lot of scrimmages, a lot of just kind of practice news going on here. But let's get into some things we were actually able to lay our eyes on a little bit here. Unfortunately, we missed out on Houston and Coastal this past week. If you have not heard, the entire Southeast was just drenched in a monsoon this weekend. So we had a couple of teams there cancel their spring games. And as we'll kind of talk about here... Definitely affected some of the teams that did decide to go forth with their spring games despite the weather conditions. So we'll get to that here in a bit. But let's first talk about the uh, spring game that occurred this past Thursday. Not Louisiana. Unfortunately, really, Louisiana. There's just really not much to talk about when it comes to CFF there (laughs) because it's committee by wide receiver or running back by committee. Quarterbacks are all... Yay, maybe, I don't know. I think you're probably getting a 15 to 20 point per game week guy there, regardless of who gets to start. So we're not going to cover them. But let's go talk about UAB. We talked about them a little bit in terms of some of their spring stuff going on here. Let's look at what happened during this spring game. Defense very much won the day here. Again, that's pretty been pretty consistent throughout spring is that the defense is far ahead of the offense right now. a lot of things to figure out on the offensive side of the ball. Outside of really running back. Jacob Zeno looks like he'll be your starting quarterback here. He went 19 for 28 for 179 yards and an interception this weekend. So nothing super inspiring um, in terms of wide receivers. Nobody's really kind of standing out. Running backs are really where this team seems like it has the depth that it will need moving forward. Again, Jermaine Brown Jr., that's your first running back out there. He has six carries for 46, 47 yards. Uh, within the first two series after that his day was done we saw an extended look from lee witherspoon and demetrius battle witherspoon had 10 carries for 57 yards while demetrius battle has six for 28 um and then the other interesting thing this is a good little nugget that i found when looking at this game running backs accounted for almost 50 percent of completions On the day. That I think one speaks to the lack of options they have at tight end and wide receiver for this year, but also it kind of speaks to a guy like Jermaine Brown Jr., who may not get that volume that, you know, Dwayne McBride got just running through the tackles constantly, but we know Brown is a better receiver out of the backfield. So if they utilize him that way, once again, you got to make up that value through the PPR there so jeremy your thoughts on the uab spring game what stood out to you
1: um yeah really the jermaine brown comment you just made is is um very notable though people shouldn't overlook that i mean you have to remember this is a guy who on Fantrax, has had dual eligibility the last three years if i remember correctly as a yes, wide sir. receiver and a running back he probably won't have that this year but the fact that it looks knows, like fan throwing is, the ball fan
0: has done worse he,
1: yeah, yeah, but it, it looks like as much as they may be throwing the the running backs the ball, I mean, he in reality might still be a running back wide receiver, which would be great, uh, you know, for for people that have him. And a lot of people are really high on him. I looked at um, not so much the spring game, even though I believe um, you know Curry did have a touchdown. One of the the new uh, younger guys, the redshirt freshman. There's a duo of redshirt freshmen that I read a lot of reports about as the uh, updated spring practices. Uh, which were uh, Lee Beebe and and Taven Curry? They both preserved their red shirts last year. I think they one played in two games, one played in one, but they they both got a lot of uh, really good feedback. I would tend to guess that a Trent for offense is going to have uh, you know solid running attack just based on his history as a player and and uh, you know the way you know he was kind of raised you know playing football as a game manager um so again kind of looking ahead since you know Jermaine Brown seems to be you know the guy that you know you are going to want to take um if you, if you're looking for the you know uh, supplemental drafts uh, or freshmen to take that could, could work for your dynasty team uh BB and Curry you know looked to be, they stood out to me in terms of the number of times i saw them mentioned and the quality of the the praise that they received
0: Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. That definitely looks like a potential tandem in the future because, again, Brown's gone after this year. I believe Demetrius Battle only has one more year of eligibility. Lee Witherspoon has two, I believe he has this year and next year. So maybe Witherspoon comes back for one more year. But then the year after that, B.B. and Curry, if they show out, maybe they are the next guys up. We'll see again, right. D- Dynasty is so hard to project nowadays because of the transfer portal and everything like right. that, but, but but that's
1: I was going to transition to a transfer portal comment. that's a good good uh, time to bring this up. You have to look at you kind of read into the situation now, the fact that two red shirt freshmen stuck around with a new coaching staff, mm-hmm. you know, what were they hearing or what were they saying that made them think, okay, I will have opportunities in the future, and I'm not going to leave. you know so sure. that that's something else you have to look into now is. Why did guys stay? Because they might see a favorable situation ahead.
0: Yep. Sounds fair to me. Let's go <laughs> ahead and... Sorry. Let's go talk about the one spring game that did happen this Friday night. Sorry, Houston fans. But let's go talk about Kansas over here. Again, not a super structured spring game from every bit of it. They definitely weren't keeping score because six touchdowns were scored, but the final score was 13-0. to So... Definitely some interesting stuff kind of going on over there. Jalen Daniels looks back. He looks good. But the name that I really want to bring up with Kansas, and this is a guy that, again, I see go super late in a lot of drafts, is Luke Grimm. Very impressive bowl game to finish the year. 10 catches, 167 yards, and a touchdown. Here he is making another score in this spring game. Seems like that he and Jalen Daniels have built a great chemistry with one another. And he really is starting to kind of stand out a little bit. But also, Kansas has a lot of different wide receiver options here. And, Jeremy, you actually have a guy here that you think is a potential wide receiver too here, despite the fact that, again, you got guys like Lawrence Arnold and Quentin Skinner still hanging around here. But tell us about your guy.
1: Right. Yeah. Keelan Robinson is a guy that stood out in the spring game as well. He had five catches and a touchdown. And again, he's a guy that, you know, as as you prep for these conversations, you look back and try to see if there's a track record and and he was singled out as having a good spring, not just a good spring game. Uh, You know, so again, five catches and a TD is is nothing to uh, scoff at. And, and, um, you know, I think he's kind of risen as the guy that could be the potential wide receiver too. The question is, is a Kansas wide receiver too even worth considering probably not, but he's, he's, in my opinion, maybe the next guy up as a sophomore. Uh, I think it was a true freshman last year, and, and you gotta really like the guys that were true freshmen that really start to pop in their in year two, uh, as the guys that will eventually take over. Um, but again, Griff seems to be the guy that that's going to be. Um, you know a, a good PPR guy a good reliable guy mm-hmm. uh and Kansas just looks really balanced on offense this year uh they did. you know I, as far as an, the, another pass catcher on the team that i would focus on i'd really look at the fairchild uh, at tight end I, mm-hmm. I, I thought he was leaving looks like he's back i think for a six year he uh, he's a really big he's a really big guy but he's he's another guy who had you know nearly eight points a game last year and he had some games where he had double digits and as a tight end if you can get a guy averaging eight with a few you know, 10, 12, 15-point games, uh, you know, that's a good guy to have as your tight end two and definitely a tight end three on your team uh, when the tight ends, you know, you usually seem to be grasping for straws. I think Fairchild is a name that can be relied upon, uh, you know, as at least a tight end two on a lot of teams this year.
0: No, I I agree with you 100%. I've seen Fairchild just sitting around late in drafts, and I've honestly, I I don't know why I haven't pulled the trigger on him more. I yeah. think part of it is me going back to last year where a lot of people were saying to pick him up off the waiver wire after his two monster weeks. And <laughs> right. what was this week? So, whoop, uh, Mid- middle of the season?
1: Like six m- like, or seven? It right?
0: was like six or seven. I, I, I just had it up and then my computer decided to freeze up. It's, uh, week six Yes, week six and seven, he had 15.5, followed that with a 25.6 right. week. Right. And everybody's like, oh, we need to pick him up. Well, then he went for 2.9 points the next week and then two weeks yeah. with zero and then wow. he finished the season with uh three six seven point games and i was like <laughs> right. not quite the not quite the monster tight end that we thought we would be but right. but still like you said for a guy who's going as late as he is in a lot of these drafts absolutely worth picking up there any yep. other and, there,
1: and oh, go ahead. he had the, he had the tight end in the spring game also yep. um yeah I, I were you about to ask final
0: thoughts on kansas i was, I was about to say it's final thoughts on kansas sir final thoughts on kansas
1: is um you know neil neil I think is is a, a solid pick, you know uh, and worthy of being on rosters. you know, I like to use the term roster worthy. Um, I don't know if he's going to take a leap up though I think people should be a little leery of Neil because of a guy that was on the team last year but got mm-hmm. hurt uh, but had an exceptional you know start to the season through five games, which is Daniel. I don't know if it's high uh, heshaw shaw, hi Hishaw, hisshaw, but it's h i s h a w
0: yeah, I think it's his shaw.
1: His Yeah. So this guy was averaging 15, uh, you know, when he went out in week five, he had uh, five touchdowns, uh, you know, with only 259 yards, but he seemed to be a guy that they really like to use in the goal line. So for the guys that really are high on Neil, you know, be a little bit aware that, you know, he might have a little bit of a committee situation because he seems to be back and had a great spring as well.
0: Yeah, and this isn't the really, at least so far we've seen, this isn't really the Lance Leopold system we saw at Buffalo, where he just ran the ball down your throat constantly. Again, with Jalen Daniels there, right. he has a dual-threat quarterback that he can run around with the goal line. He has plenty of wide receiver targets. He seems to be passing more with the Jayhawks than he ever did with the Bulls. Yep. So even if, like, you might say, like, oh, it's Lance Leopold. It's a competitive situation. You have two productive running backs. Devin Neal finishes the running back thirty-six given the fact that his shot's coming back and also you have, you could have Jalen Daniels healthy for his full season potentially here. I have no idea how he beats that this next year.
1: Right. And, and speaking of Buffalo, don't forget, we have uh McDuffie who was at Buffalo a couple years ago. Good call. I didn't even realize he's, he's actually running back three potentially to make it a little more money at running back. And he's got a history, you know, with the, the Buffalo coach. So, um, you know, again, it, it stock might be down for Neil, even though he's a great player, just because of the other guys that might be in the mix a little bit more and how balanced this offense will be this year.
0: Yes, sir. So, righty. right, let's go ahead and move on from the Jayhawks, and let's go over to the Cardinals. Let's go talk about Ball State over here. Man, finding information about this game felt like I was pulling teeth Because I listened 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 to the radio
1: broadcast. Yeah, I had to listen to the radio broadcast.
0: Oh, really? You you find some interesting stuff out there, I bet. Um, Yeah, yeah. So the thing that came away is that there was a lot of uh, Kyle Kelly. I don't know how to pronounce this man's name. Kiel Kelly. Um, All his stands were applauding yesterday. There was a lot of reports coming out that he looked really, really good yesterday in uh, this spring game. But I would say for a lot of people, not so fast. Lane Hatcher is still there. The perennial CFF journeyman. He's at his like fourth school in four <laughs> years. And he's still likely going to be the first guy up whenever things come around in the fall. Despite the fact that Kelly really did look phenomenal by all reports. it's g- Here's the thing. I think Hatcher starts the year. I think Kelly starts by the end of the year. And probably right in time for Maxion. So if you want to take the shot on Kelly and just hold on to him through the first half of the season and then just pray that he gets that starting job by the time Maxion runs around, I think that's a fair thing to do, especially in a deeper league. But I think it's, again, pump the brakes a little bit. I don't think he gets that starting job by week one because, again, they brought in Hatcher Pretty much for a reason. So, Jeremy, what kind of stuff did you find out from this game, especially from that radio broadcast? I'm curious now. Yeah,
1: yeah. And again, I, I didn't listen to all of it, but I, you really want to focus on you know the first 20 minutes, I, I think, to see who's starting. Try to get an idea uh, of you know who who's going out there with you know what everybody would consider the ones. And it was very clear that Hatcher, you know, was the first team quarterback. You know, from the the way the announcers were you know broadcasting and sa- what they were saying. And even as far as his performance, he actually moved the ball pretty well, it seemed like. Um, I know a big Twitter question yesterday, I think it was Nate, <laughs> I was uh, not sleeping trying to figure out who wide receiver one at Ball State was going to be, and a lot of answers were it doesn't matter because they've got the two great tight ends with Cozy All and Hunt. Yep. I threw out that it might be, you know, who I'm calling Gilly the Juco kid. Uh, there's, there's a guy with a last name, Gilly. I had noticed in our position battles, you know, he was kind of – you know, alone in, in, uh, a group of upperclassmen Mm -hmm. with a very, uh, you know, young group of wide receivers where you you could, you just couldn't figure out at all who was going to be the guy. Well, it turns out he literally caught about five of the first eight passes that Hatcher threw. So I, I think kind of the early prediction that Gilly, the Juco transfer, um, you know, will be the guy there, uh, you know, might, might turn out to be true. And I'm looking, you know, they're replacing two of their top receivers with Jackson and Tyler who accounted for, you know, 120 catches, you know, That's 120 catches gone. So even if you're putting you know, stock into the fact that cozy all and hunt are going to really have exceptional years again, you know, it's an offense that, you know, the wide receiver one usually produces fairly well over the last uh, you know three or four years. So you know, keep an eye on, on Gilly, the kid, uh, Gilly, the Juco kid from uh, ball state.
0: Only on CTN can you come on here And we bring you analysis from the Ball State radio version Of the spring game Gotta love it Let's go from the MAC, let's go over to the AAC Let's talk about the East Carolina Pirates and their plundering this past Weekend, this was one of those games that I thought Was going to be cancelled Because of the rain and everything Turns out they um, plowed on forward They uh, They kept on sailing So let's talk about what happened There One interesting note that I got from the 247 page that I think is worth reiterating here. So shout out to their writers over there, of course. Um, So Shane Calhoun and Jalen Johnson were said to be very quiet this past day. Um, Now, granted, part of that was because the rain was coming down. Mason Garcia did not look good in this game. Apparently, this was by far his worst performance throughout all of spring. But again, part of that was the weather. But part of that also was apparently... Shane Calhoun and Jalen Johnson have said to have been focal points throughout the spring, so it sounded like Garcia was tasked with and challenged with targeting people other than them. So I think that is interesting to kind of know that even though Jalen Johnson and Shane Calhoun were quiet here, those might be kind of the guys to target here because clearly Garcia is almost relying on them based on the reporting we were getting over there from two four seven. Now, who did that benefit? Well, you had Jarrett Garner, who I believe is one of the backup wide receiver options. He had seven catches. Uh, Cy Hatfield had a nice 59-yard touchdown play as well. And then the other part of it is over here. There is a pretty big problem going on over here from East Carolina based on the reporting that this offensive line has been an issue throughout spring and the run game is being affected because of it. They have not been able to really kind of ground and pound through the line of scrimmage with their run game. So what, what does that affect? Well, Cambaro Edmonds and Marlon Gunn had to take most of their plays in this spring game from passes out of the backfield. If that is something that continues into, this, into the fall and into the season, first of all, that's really bad news for this entire team. But even still, that might benefit a little bit your... Marlon Gunn shares if he is going to have to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield in order to get anything going, because Marlon Gunn's gotten a ton of praise from the staff this spring, so you fully expect him to be able yep. to make plays, just got to get him the ball a different way. So, Jeremy, what did you find from this spring game that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, you you really touched on, on most of the points I was going to make about the receivers and the quarterback. Uh, there was mention that, you know, Garcia was really he's been outperformed by Alex Finn, the backup quarterback, when it comes to like the pure passing ability, but they keep harping on the fact that Garcia is the better runner. And they mm-hmm. really do want to emphasize, you know, uh, you know, running the ball uh, a certain amount. So, you know, he seems to fit the scheme better and that that's really what's given him, you know, the, uh, the step above uh, Finn to, to secure QB one because it seems like he he has secured that. Uh, but Finn, you know, for the future, seems bright in terms of just his pure passing ability Um, the uh, running back situation is going to be interesting also. You mentioned Gunn getting a lot of praise. Uh, They've got an early enrollee true freshman, um, you know, Javoyas Bond, Mm -hmm. um, who also got a lot of great reports. And, again, you always love the true freshmen that enroll early to get a jump start. Um, But, they, you know, looking back at uh, Rajai, Rajai Harris, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. I'm not good with those things. But, you know, he went down with an ACL tear. Rajai. Rajay. Raj, okay. Rajay Harris. Um, you know, he was a great backup, um, you know, at ECU ECU for the last couple of years. Looked like he might be able to come into his own last year. And, you mm-hmm. know, we, they could have potentially had two close to thousand yard running backs, but he went down with an ACL. Good news is he's sprinting. Um, you know, he's six months into the injury. Typically they say it takes nine to 10 months to, to make it back. Uh, he's on a good schedule to come back. So as much as we've heard the, the really good praise from Gunn, and the true freshman, um, you know, my fear there is you really are, are in a sticky situation as far as like having a true running back one like you've had in the past, um, you know, with ECU. Uh, but, you know, you, they've got a lot of good options and particularly for the future. But, you know, Harris, um, you know, I think when he comes back is, is going to, you know, be looking for that running back one spot, you know, when it returns.
0: Yeah, but here's the problem. Harris isn't good. <laughs>
1: Last, uh, well, the,
0: the last two years, he has averaged 3.5 and 3.6 yards per carry. So you're talking about a guy that has just not been very efficient right, for right. for East I, I... Carolina. You got a guy like Marlon Gunn who has been consistently praised for being efficient and making those excellent plays. I don't sure, think Harris I... is. I think Harris would be a factor in terms of just limiting yeah. a guy like Gunn's ceiling. Like yeah, I'm probably not going to waters a little
1: bit. Yeah, I would
0: say you're probably yeah. not going to get a Keaton Mitchell type ceiling because of it right. but at the same right. time like i don't think there's gonna be a problem with gun getting that number one running back job the bigger problem yeah. for gun is just how good is this offense going to be
1: yeah and, and I'm, I'm probably blinded just by the pure numbers i'm looking at the 15.1 points per game which you know isn't a top 40 back i think that was 64 but you know you still you know 15 points a game stands out to me in terms of somebody that's you know got potential to you know, take an RB1 spot or or at least muddy the waters for somebody that's up and coming and, and kind of keep them, hold. He, he'll he hold them back, I think, from their true potential for his final year there.
0: True, but that's, again, you had a guy coming off an ACL injury, you're going to want to bring him back, I think, as slow as possible, especially if you have a guy like Gun ahead of him that you can rely on to say, like, hey, no reason to rush Harris here. But we'll see.
1: Yeah, it, it, and I'm not saying to invest in Harris as much as, you know, just be a little cautious about, you know, how quickly the other two guys might come along.
0: Fair enough there we go all righty let's go from east carolina to north carolina let's go talk about the Wolfpack up here let's talk about what we saw from their spring games actually got to see because again i love these spring games that even if they're put on espn 8 the ocho we actually get to visually see what is going on with them over there we don't have to rely on uh super backwater (laughs) um super backwater um Uh, beat writer websites and everything to find out a little bit here we can see for ourselves so things to take away from here again Brandon armstrong starts that doesn't really surprise anybody here he had a pretty mediocre day um led a couple of scoring drives didn't score himself whatsoever uh about complete about half of his exactly half of his passes 14 for 28 127 yards not really a great day doesn't really put away the uh the worries about him kind of transferring over here MJ Morris ran for the ran with the second team offense the first half. He also was kind of struggling, but once he got put with the first team offense in the second half, it felt like a switch came on for both the first team offense and for Morris as well. Had a couple of really big plays in the second half. Maybe the defense was getting tired. Who knows? Uh, but a couple of standouts at the wide receiver position. Again, Terrell Timmons, uh, who is described as that next up-and-coming great ACC wide receiver during the broadcast, is definitely somebody to w- look out for in the future because we know for a fact that Robert Rene can produce not just one, but two wide receivers for CFS. So definitely Terrell Timmons, a name to keep an eye out for there. And then more dynasty here than anything else, but Kevin Concepcion, is a true freshman wide receiver that really made some pretty incredible plays here. And a lot of people are kind of talking about that. They would not be surprised if he is a factor early, if not starting for this team by the end of the year. Uh, And then the other thing was here again, the offenses didn't look great overall. So the defense looked really, really good. And that's pretty much been consistent throughout spring. Jeremy, what are you looking at here with the Wolfpack? Do you see anything that kind of stood out to you?
1: I mean, not not nothing really stood out so much in the in the actual um game itself, the spring game itself. But you know, I'll I'll just reiterate uh you know that I'm very excited, you know, Armstrong's reconnected with his former OC. I believe you are as well. We've both expressed yes, that uh several times. Um you know, I, I think Armstrong is definitely back to the status that that he uh achieved two years ago where he was a thirty point per game guy. Um not so much because of his arm, but I think he's going to get back to being able to use his legs again, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a situation where none of the running backs seem to be standing out. You've got Jordan yes, Houston, who I believe scored in this game.
0: Yes, sir. He was three the other. Yeah. He was the first uh, touchdown.
1: First touchdown. But I, the, the confusing part is that three other running backs also scored. So you've, you've got a situation where, you know, I think a guy's returning that had 500 yards, two that had 400 yards and another that had 300 yards. So, um, you know, what, you know, was a huge committee, you know, last year probably will continue to be, but I think that opens up, you know, scoring opportunities for Brendan Armstrong, who even last year, um, you know, was able to still score six touchdowns on the ground. So, you know, I think he starts to approach double digit touchdowns on the ground again. Uh, he just needs to find those, you know, key, you know, two targets, you know, like he had in Virginia uh, so he can make sure he gets over 3,500 yards passing as well. That, that part mm-hmm. scares me a little more than, uh, you know his ability to bounce back on the ground. I think he, um, what did he have? He had 300 yards last year. Yeah, like basically 400 yards rushing last yeah. year. But I, I think you know he's a 600 yard, eight to ten touchdown guy on the ground, and 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 he's the main uh, focus. You know that you know for me when I'm looking at, at guys to take from NC State.
0: I think like one fourth of his rushing production last year came from one play against like East. Is who gives a crap university um, yeah. where it's like a 90-yard rushing touchdown. I, I forget what team it was. Sorry. I, I don't mean to right, be right. so pejorative. Um, you talked about the running backs. Six, he had
1: still had six touchdowns. You know, he still so. had six
0: touchdowns. Um, you talked about the running backs and everything. I think anybody who is looking to possibly get the next Sean Tucker here is making a mistake. You are looking at a guy who, when he ran oh, the yeah. offenses at Virginia, there wasn't a single running back to hit over 400 yards in the last two years that he was there. And, and that he, before that 500 yards, like he's, he's a QB runner for, as an offensive coordinator for Robert and a, just don't waste your time here. None of these guys no. are Sean Tucker. None of these guys are going to stand out. I think you're good to go there.
1: Yeah. Tucker was Tucker because exactly. of himself, not because of the coordinator last year. Yeah. He was there before the coordinator got there.
0: So yeah, that that yeah. was focus that was, on was,
1: Armstrong Wait to see who the ride receivers are that emerge over the fall and and definitely grab one of those guys, whoever it's going to be.
0: Yes, sir. Let's go and move on to the SEC. We actually had two SEC spring games this weekend and both of them got absolutely drenched, like I said, by the um, by the monsoon that hit the entire southeast this weekend. And this game really got hit more than any of the other ones. Originally, according to Freeze, they were going to be set to throw the ball around a ton in this game. He really wanted to get a look at all three of the quarterback options that he had here between Robbie Ashford, Holton Gariner, and TJ Finley. But then the monsoon came. They had to keep it on the ground. There's no point really in throwing in those conditions. We got a little bit of an extended look at guys like Jarquez Hunter, Brian Batty, um, and some of the other options that they uh, had. Demari Alston. Over there at Auburn. But yeah, like I said, it was a terrible, terrible day to be passing. These are all stats from Connor O'Gara on Saturday down south. So shout out to him on that. But this is pretty funny when you really put all of these stats right here in front of you. Zero passes were completed in the first quarter of this game. One pass was completed for positive yards in the first (laughs) half. Several dropped passes in the rain. And there were five combined completed passes by three different quarterbacks in this spring game. So, yeah, not a very good day for the quarterbacks whatsoever. I think you're still looking at Ashford has the lead here. But man, when when Freeze talks about it, it doesn't sound like he's super confident in any of these options right now. It's pretty much the same thing we've been hearing from spring all uh, like all spring pretty much. Do not be surprised if these guys don't go out and get themselves a quarterback from the transfer portal here in the spring window in the next couple of weeks. I am I'm truly shocked how Auburn didn't go land Spencer Sanders. That blows my right, mind right. because if Lane Kiffin's yeah. able to land Spencer Sanders without guaranteeing the job, Spencer Sanders could have walked in the moment that the moment that he walked onto Auburn's campus, he would have been the best, most experienced quarterback, and probably would have had the job from day one. I don't know how yeah. he didn't come here. It made all the sense in the world. I'm or, glad it's a Georgia it's fan because we don't have to play against it now. But still, right?
1: Yeah. To think about it, you know, uh, Grayson McCall was considering going places like this would have been a great fit for you know Grayson McCall as well. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a few guys that you would have just loved to plug and play. Um, but you know, have no fear. You know, there's a track record. Uh, whoever wins the job will be coached up. Uh, between not only you know Freeze, but we've got Montgomery coming over, you know, stepping down as head coach at Tulsa, coming into the offensive coordinator role. Um, I looked back, like there, there's a combined 25 seasons of coaching between the two of these guys, where their offenses finish in the top one third of, of you know all passing teams. There, it's a rare season where you see these guys off either one of the offensive coordinator, the head coach's offense, finish outside of the top 40. Uh, You know, they're not always finishing, you know, top ten, although uh, Montgomery had a great run when he was at Baylor being part of some nice top ten offenses. But based on what the system should be and both of these guys track records with quarterbacks, um, the potential is there. And and I believe in Ashford as well uh, and the potential that he has. So I think he can get coached up. But you do have to keep an eye out with the portal still open to see if guys will if the coaches will make a switch um the other note that I wanted to point out is you know we've got we've got to focus on who they'll be throwing the ball to because there's big potential there uh which you don't normally associate with Auburn but now again it's going to be a new system and new coaches Javarius Johnson seems to be the obvious you know top choice for wide receiver one just because of you know Mm -hmm. he's had the most catches in the previous season et cetera. watch out for Nick Mardner though um and he's um A sneaky player in my mind because now even stepping beyond the head coach and offensive coordinator, he's reconnected with his wide receiver coach that he played with for three years at Hawaii before he went to Cincinnati. And, again, while he was at Cincinnati, every receiver gets a little bit stifled there, (laughs) as I talked about. His last season with the wide receiver coach in Hawaii, the guy averaged 20 yards a catch, 46 catches for 913 yards. So there's a sneaky play possibly looming uh, at Auburn with Nick Mardner you know reconnecting with his old wide receiver coach it's going to be a potent pass offense one way or another um and you know you you need those guys um you know to be able to, to put a deep roster together so there's there's a sneaky late pick potentially uh, as a flyer
0: there is but here's the thing that we're not really considering here mm-hmm. Auburn's in the sec that hasn't changed Versus guys like That's Hugh Freeze true. are coming from an independent schedule at Liberty where they could sure, basically pick sure. and choose who they played every year. You got Philip Montgomery coming up from Tulsa. Again, I have no doubt that these guys are all talented coaches in their own rights, but it is a learning curve once you get to the SEC. You can probably, you both these guys probably would have done really, really well with Robbie Ashford at Tulsa and Liberty. Right. Problem is, you're right. you're... Facing off against Alabama's, you're facing off against the Georgias, you're facing off against the LSU's, the Texas A and M's on a week by week basis. I I think I think Freeze knows that, which is why he is so concerned about this quarterback room right now. Right. So right. we'll definitely well, see.
1: That's one of those where I just have to say point taken, and uh, what I said at a 100% enthusiasm level, we'll bring it back down to about 70% because that is a great
0: point. So. <laughs> All right, let's go away from the SEC. Let's go all the way to the West Coast. Here we got two West Coast schools we'll touch on here. Let's talk about the Boise State spring game here. And I will start this off by cursing the name of George Halani because, good Lord, if he was not existing in this team right now, I would be hype overload for Ashton GNT in this spring game. Ashton GNT only needed five touches to score 167 yards and three touchdowns. He had a run of 20 yards, a run of 62 yards, and then he had a 75-yard receiving touchdown touchdown dude just absolutely blew open this spring game he is by far the best player on this team we identified him last year here at c2c said that he was going to be an instant impact guy george Holani got a little hurt and we saw him take off last year but george holani of course decides that he wants to come back for another year for whatever reason despite the fact that he actually had a pretty decent year last year <laughs> so now we're stuck with two really two two good running backs one really great running back in my opinion and gnt they're going to eat into each other and neither one of these guys are gonna be great for cff moving forward so i curse you george halani i curse you um jeremy there
1: there still is hope though i will say uh they ran the ball 551 times last year so there is hope that you know we could be looking at a a potential uh, G5 Michigan situation where you have two running backs that can both thrive on the same team. We know the talents there with GT. I second everything you said about Helani stifling him uh, because they're being loyal to Helani and, and probably the work that he's put in over his career, which, you know, it deserves a round of applause in itself. But, um, you know, I, I think there is still room to hold out that you you could have either one on your team, and still get decent points. Are they going to be the guy you take in rounds one through three? Probably not, but you know, there, there, there are guys that, you know, on any given day, either one of them can go out and probably have a 150 yard three touchdown day.
0: But the problem is the you don't know who's going to be who six. each week. Yeah.
1: You, you won't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an interesting best ball, you know, handcuff, you know, where they would be fun to have both. Cause you know, one will have a big day on any given week. Um, Unless the quarterback steals their touchdowns, which well, that's that's the other, the, that's the other
0: problem here is that Taylor Green yeah. is a much better runner than he is a passer. And for those who are hoping yeah. that he looks like, like a running back, I would say for those that were hoping that Taylor Green would improve in the passing game this year and potentially be like that all around CFF back or uh, quarterback that you love to have. Uh, he went nine for 20 in the spring game, 167 yards and a touchdown Again, 75 of that came because of a short pass to GNT who GNT pretty much did all the work there. So Taylor green, I, again, he's more, he's also kind of a nuisance here with, when it comes to GNT, because again, he's going to run the ball a ton.
1: Yeah, I think he might he might be the bigger nuisance than Halani. I think there's room for both of those running backs to thrive. Uh, until you remember that Taylor Green is the third running back in the backfield.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then one more <laughs> name I did want to throw out here: uh, Prince Strawn is a six foot five wide receiver. Who is quickly quote unquote becoming one of Talon Green's favorite target? Well, when you're a guy with some passing issues, why not throw it to the guy who is six foot five over the middle and just kind of lay it out for him and let him use his body to get the ball. So might be an interesting play there. Definitely not being taken in any drafts right now, but just want to kind of throw that name out there. I still like Latrell Caples for Boise State this year. I think he did a pretty good job last year, and I think he'll continue that moving forward. But Jeremy, do you have any more thoughts on the um, Bluefield Brigade here?
1: No, no, no. Just don't be too down on on GNT because of Holania. I'd be a little more optimistic, but I'm I'm a I'm a half uh, full glass half full kind of
0: guy. So, Jeremy, I will continue to curse his name. Just as simple as that. All right, let's go to Vegas. Let's go cheer us up and go to Vegas. Let's go to UNLV over here. Find out what they had going on with their spring game. Quarterbacks, rough day here today. It's 47% completion percentage across all of them. Six interceptions thrown between all of them. And surprisingly, back from the dead, Harrison Bailey had the best day, leading two touchdown uh drives here, one of which to Ricky White, and one of which to Jacob de Jesus, our new favorite uh name of the year player right now. A lot of people are hoping this guy's very good because we would love to talk about a guy named de Jesus constantly. On. on on Easter. On Easter, this is actually very, very fitting. Um, But Ricky White, once again, showed out here. Four catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown just in the first half. I I couldn't get stats on what he was able to do in the second half. But again, he looks like the clear number one guy here. With the uh, Marion offense here, with him coming over from Texas over here. The go-go offense, I think Ricky White's definitely somebody you need to be looking at later in your drafts. Not a guy that's going very high right now. and Quite frankly, I probably have him ranked too low in my ranking, so I'll probably fix that here later today but then as well jacob de jesus pretty much looks like that potential complementary piece to white so if there is room for two wide receivers de jesus is probably that number that next guy up right there but this is all very contingent on the quarterback play improving again you can't have doug brumfield going two for eight to start the spring game just not a very good day for the quarterback play whatsoever Jeremy, you have any thoughts here from the uh, UNLV Rebels?
1: No, DeJesus uh, stood out as well. I, I did have a note to mention Helm. Um, you know, we're we're giving you a good list of JUCO prospects. To keep yes, in he's another guy. Where if you say, where did he come from? Yeah, he's he's a, a transfer in from the JUCO level. So, you know, that's two that we've mentioned today. Um, that that are definitely they're not going to be taken because I mean, they weren't here last year.
0: I need to I need to contact A Star. He does he does a uh, JUCO threads all the time. And okay. so like, I need to be yeah, like, yeah. hey, you know, but you know about these two guys? Let's 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 get exactly. something going for these the guys. Jesus
1: and uh, and Gilly. Yeah, those those are our two guys. But again, these are guys that are going to be available in your supplemental teams if you're really lacking at the wide receiver position you know this is another one um where uh ricky white might be gone you you, you take a gamble on a guy like DeJesus jesus instead of a true freshman uh yes, there are always they're always gambles you know we've, we've seen that from uh you know the very limited number of guys that appear in the top 20 30 or even 40 of any position group list uh you know from year to year even though we all get excited about them the JUCO guys can tend to come in and make a difference uh, quicker and right away. And I'll just add that, um, you know, this is another way too early to tell situation in the running back room. Um, you, you know, you're, you're assuming this offense will be you know pretty balanced uh, with the Texas uh, offensive coordinator coming in uh, or the guy from Texas coming in to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, but the leaders appear to be you know, Wimmer and Briggs. Uh, as your front runners, but it's way too early to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, one may be worth taking, but uh, I'm not going to endorse you know either of them at this point.
0: righty, fair enough. And may- maybe that's where Robert Briggs went off to. Joking, joking. Not the same player. Uh, no, yeah, different guy. Yeah, yeah. Totally different guy. Uh, let's go ahead and move back to the SEC here again. We're kind of going all over the place, but it's th- these are somewhat chronological order. So, um, oh, uh, Jeremy, you know EJ Horton um yeah uh he just entered the portal oh wow wow so all right anyway sorry you got, you got, that, that, live that... live live alert live alert right there um why receiver see ron marshall hit the portal you guys probably don't need to know anything about that oh. let's go talk about let's go talk well, about yeah. Let's he go talk about
1: public, a little bit of an arrest issue.
0: <laughs> oh, is there? Oh, yeah. Then never mind. No, nothing there whatsoever. That,
1: that's one of those disguised portal moves.
0: okay. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All
3: okay. right,
0: Vanderbilt. <laughs> um, let's go talk about the the nice and clean Vanderbilt Commodores over here. Um, the running back situation. That's what stood out to me with this spring game. So Patrick Smith is like the leading returner. For Vanderbilt. And quite frankly, he's just not a very good running back. He is a dude. He is not anybody special. He's not going to take this to the next level. He would struggle, in my opinion, at a G5 school. Like, he is not a football player. He is just a guy who is out there playing the running back position. So, who does that bring up here? You have true, or you have first redshirt freshman Chase Gillespie, who has been kind of turning some heads a little bit in the spring game 15 carries, 93 yards, didn't get a touchdown that's all fine and dandy i think he'll play a factor into this year but the name to know here and again if you're we're coming up on supplemental draft season you're looking for guys who are late true freshman running back cedric alexander he is an early lead for the vanderbilt commodores five carries or excuse me seven carries 56 yards and a touchdown in this game just looks super impressive in my opinion he looked like the best running back out there I would not be surprised if he is the number one running back for Vanderbilt come the fall. And 247's Robbie Weinstein, who covers the Vanderbilt Commodores, now projects Alexander to be the starter in the fall when it is all said and done. Again, Alexander's a guy who has had 5,000 scrimmage yards in his high school career. In this past year for 247, he was the number 53 running back, three-star. Really good size at 5'9", 200 pounds. If he keeps this going, I think he could be, one, a legitimate running back in the SEC and a guy you could have on your rosters for years as a potential guy who could really transform this Vanderbilt offense a little bit in the same way that a Keysha- a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn did a couple years ago. So, Jeremy, do you have any thoughts here for Vanderbilt?
1: Uh, well, I just I was you know busy not looking at the screen because I had to add a new role in my spreadsheet for Alexander. And I realized uh, when I saw your notes earlier, I hadn't added him um and since these guys don't have a history they're not on my spreadsheet so I, you have to make room for the true freshman and get those guys in um, you know Vanderbilt certainly has room for a great running back uh, as proven by uh, Ramon Davis so mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's a position that you know you know could can be beneficial uh, but Will Shepard is still the star. We didn't hear much from the spring game because they sure. held him out because he is so much of a star. They don't want to get him hurt. Yes, sir. And we'll probably take every precaution and every practice to to give him, you know, the break that he'll deserve. He didn't have a lot of yards, but, you know, on a Vanderbilt team, he still, you know, had 60 catches and nine touchdowns. And all, all the reports I saw said you can expect those numbers to go up, even with yes, the sir. attention on him from defenses. So Will Shepard is the guy you want on this team.
0: Well, they have Uh, other guys there as well because they got Skinner and then uh, Jaden McGowan, the true freshman last year. He's be a true sophomore this year. Like they have guys to take away the attention from a guy like Will Shepard. So that's really good news for him.
1: Exactly, and that's what you need. Yeah, McGowan had his 44 catches. Um, Skinner should be better because he was. You know, they're both young. They're both young and upcoming. But yeah, you don't want a guy who's the only guy on his team. So that's a great point. Um, You know, Swan. uh, You know, should be the quarterback. You know, I am you know, i do not think you're touching the Vanderbilt quarterback if somebody wants, but somehow they managed to still get the ball distributed well. Uh, you know, so so yeah, Shepherd's guy.
0: probably the best quarterback that Vanderbilt's had playing under center for them in a long time, just from a pure talent perspective. Yeah. So, like, it wouldn't shock yeah, and, and me and if young, he so did get... things that we wouldn't expect a Vanderbilt quarterback to do. Not saying go draft him, don't go draft him right now, but I'm just saying, like,
1: yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, but he was a true freshman last year, so we have him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, and we will expect improvement, you know, from a guy like that too. Of so, course. Um, but I'm looking at you know, what he had: nine games and 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. So, you know, he's got a lot of room for improvement. But again, somehow he still managed to get the ball distributed pretty well, even with his limited stats that came out of that. Um, but you know, I think we've given you some good names for this year and for the future with the running back with Alexander.
0: Yes, sir. Alright, let's go to the Mac, everybody's favorite conference. Let's talk about what happened here at the Toledo spring game. Not really much yep. kind of came out about it. Again, once again, just like with Ball State, finding information about some of these Mac schools is like pulling teeth. But I was able to key in on two names that seem to kind of be standing out both in Toledo Spring and also in the spring game a little bit. First and foremost, you have the wide receiver Junior VanderRoss the third. Dude, I believe, had one catch all of last year, but it sounds like he has made a major step in this spring and is quote-unquote catching everything thrown his way during the spring practices. Got plenty of action in the spring game as well. Very, very deep guy, but definitely a name to kind of file in the back of your head because we have seen with Toledo before that it is possible for them to key in on one wide receiver. So... Def, again, Junior Van der Ross, the III is his name. The other one is a young running back. Condor went Wallen Wallenzak. I this is I, I promise you, you this is this is a hard one to pronounce. Connor Wallen quote unquote, has said to have the it factor and quite frankly has been outperforming some of the upperclassmen in Stewart Boone and Kelly. Definitely a lot to climb over there, but it is one of those guys where if you are, if they are being talked about as just being straight up better than those guys, he'll probably be in a committee to start. But if those guys really can't separate themselves or kind of step up their game, it wouldn't shock me if a guy like Wallen Zach potentially, and again, super, super deep. We're talking about here. Potentially could be a guy that could surprise the next couple of years. He's definitely more of a dynasty play. I would say than Vander Ross, Vander Ross, I could see performing well this year, but just some names to kind of keep an eye out there. Jeremy, do you have any thoughts yeah. on the Toledo spring game?
1: Uh, no, except that, boy, all we need is a more cluttered Toledo backfield after what we all debated about in the preseason last year. That was and
0: then completely none missed of us for were everyone. Right. Yeah. Say, nobody was right.
1: Yeah. Nobody was right, you know, except for someone who might have said, they're not going to have any good running backs, which nobody did. Everybody kind of stood behind somebody, whether it was Kelly, Boone, or Stewart. Yep. Um, and now you're throwing a fourth name into the mix. So when we did uh, – I think the MAC was our first positional breakdown mm-hmm. you know, for the, the battles to watch. And even though you had three running backs at that time that looked like they'd be competing, we didn't even include them this year because we don't have any doubt that it's going to be a committee. And our whole purpose of pointing out certain battles to watch is to – there could be a leader that emerges that will benefit you. We're mm-hmm. not just trying to point out battles that are going to land at a committee at the end. So we don't have any faith that a winner is going to shake out. You know, they all had 400 yards or something last year. Now maybe they'll all have 300 yards <laughs> and, we, and Daquan Finn will have, Daquan Finn will have double that with his 10 touchdowns. I love he's it. A, he's another, you know, uh, Armstrong. He's going to, he might not get the 3000 yards passing. He'll get his two thousand passing, maybe twenty touchdowns. He'll have his six hundred yards rushing and his ten touchdowns. And for now, he's the only guy you want on, on Toledo's team. Yeah, in definitely. your early drafts.
0: Yeah, yeah, in your early drafts again. Maybe you take some shots on these guys really late again. Vander Ross yeah. the third. I am not saying draft him in like the top. Like I, I honestly say like this is a guy that you could probably get or definitely could get like in round thirty plus. Like if you're just scraping yeah. the bottom of the barrel and you just want to take a shot on the guy, go for go for a Mac guy with a little bit of hype right now.
1: Yeah, and somebody just needs to leave. Somebody needs to transfer out. All Make it easy for us.
0: Let's go and talk about one last team here, and that is Temple. Temple, got a little bit of hype going here from you, uh, Mr. Jeremy. You seem to be very interested in these guys moving forward, so tell me about it. What do you like so much about them going into this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, quite frankly... I missed on them last year and had no idea how well they had performed until I started doing the offseason analysis this year, looking for potential players. Um, you know, EJ Warner quarterback, you know, didn't necessarily stand out, you know, with his final uh, rankings. Maybe you can look that up while I'm talking. Um, but he was certainly one of the best true freshman quarterbacks to play last year. And he did actually uh, reach the 3000 yard passing mark on a team that finished 30th in passing overall, which that's the part that completely went over my head. I think S- Temple is so off of people's radar when it comes to assuming they're going to ever be a good passing team. You know, most people, I would guess, you know, kind of overlooked the fact that they somehow managed to finish in the top 25% in the country in passing and it had a true freshman throw for 3,000 yards. So yep. I'm throwing EJ Warner on your radar now. If he's been off your radar, I don't think it was a fluke. I think he only gets better. Uh, they said he had a really average spring game, but that was followed by everyone who said he had a phenomenal spring uh, and should show a lot of progress. Um, and you've got another receiver there, Ahmad Anderson, who went four for 58 in the spring game and is definitely standing out as a, a legitimate threat um, uh, you know, uh, for their opposition and and should be their wide receiver one. And even though he only averaged 10 points per game, I think you're looking at a, a young group that, that just had a lot of room to grow uh, and has a great foundation to start with, with the way that they finished last year. The last note I'll say is there's a very interesting potential wide receiver two emerging. And on a team that finishes 30th and passing, that's where you can reach for a wide receiver two that will benefit you. They've got a former quarterback, Former starting quarterback who got demoted last year because the freshman came in and beat him out, Dewan Mathis. Uh he's actually 6'6. Uh, Jared, I feel like you like tall receivers for some reason, from what I've heard you talk about in the past. Um, you know, so here's your here's your guy, the former quarterback, Dewan Mathis, kind of starting to emerge as a potential wide receiver too at Temple. Um, and they've got a couple of tight ends. I, I forgot to list their names here on my notes, but you know, they they they, they Everybody outside of the running back room you know, is worth taking a look at if, if they're a starting guy on this on this team right now. Uh, I don't think last year was a fluke, and I think they'll only be better on offense.
0: So I'll touch on a couple of points here. Again, EJ Warner finished as a QB 70 last year. Like you said, a lot of that was yep. because they were figuring out between him and Mathis who was going to be the starting guy. He finished with two, um, two out of the last three weeks. He had a 30-point game and a 40-point right. game, so very much possible for him to have some really good games. In 2023 great best ball option, especially later in drafts. The two tight ends you were talking about, uh, David Martin Robinson and Jordan Smith, both have uh, both uh, had really good finishes to the season. In fact, uh, Martin Robinson had two nine plus reception games, two 90 yard plus games, and a touchdown in both of those. So, definitely a guy I would be looking at in best balls pretty late there. And then you bring up yep. my boy, Dwan Mathis, again, former Georgia quarterback. Um, <laughs> I, oh, was I, for that. Okay. I was, I was rooting for him to go to Temple. When, when he went to Temple, he got the starting job pretty much almost immediately. Just hasn't performed well. Again, he, um, he had an issue, um, like he had a cyst on his brain during his time at okay. Georgia. So pretty okay. much he hasn't really been the same since then. But if he's able to convert over to wide receiver and be a truly great option for them over there, I'm rooting for that every single day of the week. You mentioned yep. outside of the running back, nobody really here to look at here. I agree with you in terms of a re perspective. I did draft Edward Sadie recently because in a best ball, because he has that potential. Because again, with Sadie, first of all, he's actually a really good PPR back. Um, Like he had uh, over the last... Over the last six games, he had five receptions, six receptions, four receptions, six receptions, two receptions, and seven receptions. Yeah. So, yeah. if 36, you're, 36
1: catches, yeah, I would say you're,
0: you're, if you're in a PPR league, that's a phenomenal finish of the season, right there. Problem yeah, is, flex player. Yeah. Problem is, he's not a very good running back. Again, he averages 4.3 yards, um, 4.3 yards per game last year, and that was heavily boosted by a random. Uh, 24 carry 265 yard and three touchdown game against uh southern florida or south florida yeah. so i took him just based on that but like i wouldn't draft him in redraft however true freshman kyle williams has been drawing a lot of praise and like you said in a room where there's not really a ton to be excited about in the running back position just kind of file that name away on a watch list somewhere just in case he starts popping off really early on because if you have a team that is passing really efficiently that can also help open up the run game a little bit so definitely look out for it there Alrighty, mr miller yeah that has been no, a phenomenal we, we show get, we
1: had a, quite a few quite a few true freshmen juco players yeah uh I think it's, I would hope this has been beneficial to
0: some. This is, I definitely, I think we brought up a lot of new names here today for some people to kind of chew on here. We're not, again, we covered some teams we covered in the past, but I think we've at least brought up several new names for each of those. So I think people are definitely, definitely going to enjoy this show. Again, Mr. Miller, it has been phenomenal. Really appreciate you coming on today. Again, just remind everybody where they can find you and what all stuff you are working on over the next couple of weeks.
1: Right. Uh, well, you know, I like to push the, uh, you know, the uh, the brand Twitter, which is uh, at CFF lists. Um, you know, our, our specialty, uh, as I've said before, is really kind of looking at that macro view. Sometimes you can get too into the weeds. We like to pull everything out, kind of sort out those top 20 lists, those top uh, 15 lists. You'll see more and more of those coming right now. We're working on those position battles. You can always reach me at uh, OG underscore J mill. You get a little bit more of a music twist on that site from my previous life uh, at source magazine and years in the hip hop industry. But uh, you know, it's, it's all about football. There is a days.
0: story right there.
1: Oh, it's, 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 uh it's 18 years of a story. I had 18 years over there. It's amazing. Wow. Um, the documentary will come out someday. I just don't know, you know, if they want to hear the, from me on that, <laughs> <laughs> lots of fun stuff. Uh, my guy, Willie Bees, that's uh, Bees with a Z, W I um, uh, at Twitter, that's just at, uh, at Willie Bees. Uh, he's my partner in crime. I like to say I'm the stats guy. Um, you know, I, he's the film guy. Uh, I think it's a good combination. You know, we argue, we 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 battle it out. We come up usually on our list with a consensus of our our true, just the two-person average mm-hmm. of where we think guys need to be, just so you get a little bit of background of kind of where – where the lists are coming from it is it is a two-man show but we we typically end up with the final list being the average of where we think guys fall uh which usually is, is not too far from one another but we have some good arguments in between which you know maybe one day will lead to a, a fun podcast itself
0: all righty. And I appreciate that. J- Jeremy, again, you've been awesome today. And for those of us who are listening over here at Chase and Natty, you got a lot of great stuff coming your way. Next week is the CFF Ranking Summit. It'll be myself, Nate Marquise, Chris K, and Justice nice. over here at Campus of Canton. We will be discussing the top of our consensus rankings as well as calling each other out on some of our rankings that seem to be either a little too high nice. or a little too low. So a lot of great discussion over the next two weeks there so be on the lookout for that in addition got a lot of great stuff coming your way may we're actually going to turn towards a little bit more dynasty talk because that's when a lot of people are getting geared up looking at freshmen looking at your uh, looking at your supplemental drafts coming up so we're going to be talking a little bit about that so a lot of great stuff coming your way with that And again, if you want to, again, just a quick reminder. Again, if you want to follow us on social media, I'm at CFF underscore Jared. Nate is at CFF Nate. And you can also follow the show's account at Chasing the Natty. So with all that being said, really appreciate all of you guys listening. Got a great week ahead of y'all. I hope you had a great holy week. And I will see you guys next time. Have a wonderful and blessed week. Extra blessed week. this week.